Bibles and stand with me this morning. And if you have a copy of God's Word in your hand, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. If you're visiting with us today, there's an outline in the bulletin that you can follow along as we begin a brand new series this morning on the other side of the cross and the grave. We serve a risen Savior. And the Bible talks about that we have new life in Christ. We should be excited about the life that God has given to us. I hope you live every day realizing that God has given you new life. We who were dead are now alive because of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin this brand new series, I trust that it will be a blessing to you over the next couple weeks and months maybe as we continue through this series. I want to encourage you that um, if you're able to join us on Sundays at 9.30 for our Sunday School Hour, we're beginning a brand new series next Sunday called Salt and Light. It's an entire series on Sunday morning where uh, Jesus, who was the master teacher, used a lot of metaphors in the Bible uh, to help us understand great truths about who we are. And two of those are contained in the title of that series, Salt and Light, and how the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then the Bible tells us to, for us as Christians to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And let me encourage you to come on Sunday mornings, 930. We'll learn some of those metaphors that Jesus used to teach truths that will help us in our Christian life. And then beginning next Sunday night, now tonight is a, a tremendous lesson it's the conclusion of the series I've been uh, preaching on Sunday nights about God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Tonight's a special message. It goes right along with the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, uh, surrounding the life of Peter and how uh, Peter was a man. Oftentimes we know of him in a couple different ways, but if you look at Peter's life, he learned to live a life that was courageous for the Lord. And I think that message will be a help to you tonight if you can join us at 6 o'clock. And as we conclude that series, next Sunday night, we're going to be got a brand new series on Sunday evenings going chapter by chapter through the book of Romans in the Bible. And what a tremendous treatise the book of Romans is, rich doctrinal book in the Bible. And I hope that you come on Sunday evenings and glean from that book. And it's been a help to me over the years, and God put that on my heart to get back to studying a particular book on Sunday evenings. And you can follow right along in your Bible with us and, and take notes and, and learn that we are saved by faith, but it is from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And that, that's going to be a great series. Join us on Sunday evenings. And so there's all my commercials. I got them all out of the way. And now let's get to the, the heart of the matter, and that is the message from the Word of God this morning. Beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we, no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man 
be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us, or given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, do you see in your Bibles there or in your notes, verse 17, all right? See the verse? Let's read verse 17, beginning with the words, therefore, if any man, all right? Let's read that verse together, all right? Here we go. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you'd bless your word. Help us as we begin this new series on having new life in Christ. God, bless the word this morning. I pray that it would fall on listening ears and on tender hearts. Lord, may it be received this morning. Help me to get out of the way and speak to people as you would have this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. When you look at this passage this morning, it is clear to me that what God wants on the other side of the tomb is that God wants us to exchange our old life for a new life. And that new life that we're going to begin studying this Sunday and in the next couple weeks is a life that only Jesus can give us. Everything we do for the Lord. Can I say it this way this morning that we need to do all that we do out of a heart for love. Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth us. We do what we do. We sing uh, this morning as we sang. gave, we worship, we witness all because of our love for Christ. And as we think about our love for Christ, a lot of times you think about this. When the Bible says that if we're in Christ, that we are a new creature, old things are passed away and all things are becoming are become new how many things are become new all. all all means all so when you think about this a lot of times people think to themselves well if the bible says that i, I know i've talked to people over the years who wonder about life they begin to wonder about uh, the origin of life or where we came from where mankind began and some people probably, you know, I know for a fact it is an erroneous teaching, but some people think that mankind has evolved. Other people have different ideas about the origin of life, where we came from, different ideas, different concepts. I read an account this week about a little boy who was talking with his mother about this very subject, and he asked his mom, where did I come from? You know, and, and here he is asking his mom. And his mom looked at him, and she was kind of a little bit embarrassed by his question. She wasn't really sure how to answer him, so she went into this big, long story with, with her little son. She began to tell this big, long story about how there, there was this large, feathery bird that dropped him off at their doorstep. And the little boy kind of listened to his mom talk about that, and he wasn't real sure about that story, and... So he had an opportunity a little later on to ask his grandmother the same question. He asked his grandmother, he says, Grandma, where did I come from? And his grandma was a little bit dumbfounded at his question. And so she thought for a minute, she began to tell him this story, how that one day they actually found him in a cabbage patch. 
And that didn't really seem quite right either. A little boy scratching his head. He walks away from his grandma. So he's outside, a little, little friend. And uh, afterwards, he looked at his little buddy, and he says this to him. He goes, you know, he says, there hasn't been a normal birth in my family for three generations. <laughs> now, when you think about that little boy, I think a lot of people wonder, where did we come from? How did it all begin? Can I tell you this morning that God is the source of all life? God is the source of eternal life. And when we think about this, God is the originator of life. Back in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God said unto the man by the name of Moses, I am that I am. Now when he made that statement, I am that I am, that word there, a phrase, I am, means that there was none before him. As he made that statement to Moses, can I tell you that we need to understand God had no beginning and God has no ending, that God is outside of the dimension that we know as time. See, we're limited. We have 24 hours in a day. We have so many days in a week. We have so many weeks in a month. We have so many months in a year. We're limited, but see, God is not limited to time. God is outside of time. The fact is, is that time itself started at the moment or at the instance of creation. And as we live this morning, who we serve is we serve the Creator God. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 43.10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Now the world that we live in, they talk about many gods, little letter G. They have so many gods. There is a a polytheistic idea, concept, but the Bible says that there is no God before our God. God is eternal. All of the plant life that God created, all of animal life and mankind were all created by our God, by his spoken word. Look what it says in Psalm 33 in verse number 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God spoke this world into existence. The universe was made, according to the Bible, out of nothing. There was nothing there. The, the word that oftentimes you hear theologically is the words ex nihilo, out of nothing. There was no, there was no uh, supply list to, for God to go to. God created this world out of nothing, before the universe came to be, there was God and there was nothing else. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Listen, God was pre-existent. God was before all things, and he is the one that has created all things. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, look at verse 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. When God created everything in this world, whether it was a plant, whether it was an animal, whether it was mankind, you study the Genesis account, the creation account of this world, God created it, and at the end of every day, God looked at what he made, and here's what he said, it is good. 
God doesn't make junk. You may not like yourself this morning, but you are created in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. God created all things and the world was framed by the Word of God. Have you ever wondered about certain things that God's created? Are you like me that sometimes, think about this, why did God create mosquitoes? Seriously. They love me. And I hate them. They bite me, they drain blood, I mean, they carry Zika viruses, I mean, why in the world would God create a mosquito? That might be one of those questions that someday we're going to be sitting around the throne in heaven and, and somebody might say, hey, listen, I have a question. Why did you create mosquitoes? And maybe we'll get the answer to that someday. I, I thought about this. Why did God create seahorses? I mean, think about this. God gave this little animal a horse's head gills and baby fins and if that's not enough the male seahorses are the ones that give birth uh i don't like that one you know but look what it says in genesis 2 7 think about this the lord god formed man you hear the words god formed man out of the dust of the ground God, look, God took dirt and God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of God. He breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. Only God can do that. And when you think about God creating man, that means that man, according to God, is distinct, different, set apart from the animal kingdom and the plant life. Because God formed man, he breathed into him, and he became a living soul. Despite the teachings of many in this world today, can I tell you that there is no Big Bang theory. There was no Big Bang explosion. The study of the universe is an area where even science and theology have met. And as you think about this, creation was a supernatural event. It was something outside of humanity. Can I tell you, as the songwriter wrote the great theological song years ago, and I want to rehearse these words, and I won't sing them, but I will say them. I'm no kin to the monkey, and the monkey's no kin to me. I don't know much about your ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. That's what he wrote. Listen, there are people today that said that years ago, there was some sort of amoeba, and it flopped up on the and somehow it made its way over, and then it grew a tail, and then it started hanging from a tree, and then the tree, it fell out of the tree, and it became a man, and he became a professor at a university, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about, you know, you, you have people like Charles Darwin that came up with the theory of evolution. Can I give you how to, how to, to rebuttal Darwin's theory? In the beginning, God created See, the, the, evolution is devolution. You think about all these theories that people have come up with, it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does to believe that God created. Oftentimes, people are, are thinking about all these things. Can I tell you that God, as we begin this new series, God is the originator of life. God is the one that sustains life. Somebody said this, and I just want you to think about, this is just one little aspect of the miraculous uh, human body that you have right now. Think about this. Somebody said 
that it's been proven that after 10 minutes of exercise, now some of you have to exercise for 10 minutes to get this, okay? But after 10 minutes, the human body experiences 1,004 molecular changes in the muscles alone. That doesn't count the rest of the After 10 minutes of exercise. When I read that, I thought to myself how, how wonderful God has created us, the bodies that we have. And what God was saying when he created man was, he says, look, I've created man, the crown of my creation, and, and as I've created him, that, that, that man, that body, that creation is going to be perpetuating. Remember what the Bible says, before the flood and after the flood, multiply and replenish the earth. God says, look, this is what I want. And I love what the psalmist says in 139 verse 14. I will praise thee. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, life is a wonderful thing. And it is something that is important. But even more important than life is spiritual life. Let me say that again. More important than your life is spiritual life. See, Jesus came, there were people that were on this earth. They were alive. But when Jesus came, he, he came to give not only them, but those that were before them and those that were after them, which is us, new life. See, Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. That's the kind of life that God desires for all people of all ages to have is spiritual life. God is the only one that can give spiritual life. Look at John 20, verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Look, what does the Bible say then this morning as we begin this new series on new life in Christ? What does the Bible say about this new life that we have in Christ. Notice, first of all, the resurrection of life. Look back in our text this morning in verse number 14, where the Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all what? All dead. Now you have to understand, if Jesus died for all, then according to the Bible, all were dead. See, he died for everyone. And you think of this morning about how people who, who believe certain things like that Jesus only died for a certain select group of people or for a certain race of people. Folks, that is not Bible. Understand this morning that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And as I think about this resurrection of life, notice first of all that without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Now we have to appreciate Christ in order to, as we think about appreciating him, we have to know who we are without him. I know what I was without him. I was lost in my sin. Remember the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Spiritual death, it, here's what it is. Simple definition. It's a separation from God. That's what spiritual death is. And it's because of our sin. When a person is dead in their sin, they cannot have fellowship with God because God is perfect, God is holy, and according to the Bible, we all fall short 
of the glory of God. Look what it says in Isaiah 59 in, in the beginning of that verse number two. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Here's what, here's what it is. Spiritual death, it's the result of man's disobedience. Looking back in Genesis chapter 2 again there in your notes, the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden which thou, that, that thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now we all know the first man, the first woman in the garden was Adam and Eve. I was just making sure you're reading the same Bible I, I'm reading because it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve, all right? And the Bible says God created a man and he took the rib from the man and he created the woman and he brought the woman unto the man. Now, folks, look, of all people, just like God loves all people, but we have to be men and women that are men and women of the book. And the Bible says that God created a man and God created a woman. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Now, listen, God loves everyone this morning. But what God said to them was, look, you can eat of everything in this garden except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. Well, what's human nature? To take that which we are told we can't have. That's human nature. They disobeyed God. And as a result of that disobedience, death came upon them. Spiritual death. See, they disobeyed God. They sinned. Now, it's interesting Yes, they did take of the fruit. And by the way, the Bible does not say that fruit was an apple. The Bible doesn't mention an apple. Could have been a mango. You know? I don't know what it was. Could have been a banana. Goes right along with the theory of evolution, you know? But the Bible says that they took the fruit, they saw it, they took it, and they ate. Is that what it says? Did they die that day? physically. No, but they died spiritually. See, their sin, their disobedience separated them from God. What did God do? God cast them out of the garden. See, they were no longer allowed to be in that place. Look, I believe with all my heart that if man would not have sinned and fell in the garden, we would still be living in the garden today. But because of man's disobedience, God had to cast them out. And if you're here today, listen, understand that every one of us, some people say to me sometimes, well, you know, I've sinned and I'm okay, I'm fine. But according to the Bible, you are a dead man walking about. Because the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. So if you are living in sin, according to the Bible, you are dead spiritually. Listen to this verse in Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, the Bible says, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have what? All have sinned. See, all of us, look, if Adam was the first man, your skin might be a different color than mine, but all of us are descendants from that first man. Every last one of us. You know what that means? We're all related. Don't come to my house for lunch. I don't have any food, all right? But we're all related. You know why? Because we all have that same Adamic nature. The same nature that Adam had. Adam was, look, you remember what happened when God came into the garden? 
and God, God saw they were hiding from God and they had sewed the fig leaves together. And God asked the man, by the way, the responsibility God always places on the man. And so what is God asked, God asked Adam, you know what Adam does? He points the finger at the woman. And then God asked the woman, and you know what she does? She points the finger at the serpent. I always think that's interesting that she didn't point her finger back at her husband, you know? But see, there, there was the blame shifting that went on, and the Bible says that all have sinned. Death passed upon all men. So when we think about the resurrection of life, look, if you're here this morning and you're without Christ, you're not saved this morning. According to the Bible, without Christ, you are spiritually dead. But here's the good news. With Christ, you are spiritually alive. Look at verse 15 this morning. Look what it says. It says, and, I love how the Bible continues, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him, which died for them and rose again. See, Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus died for everyone, and when somebody accepts Christ, here's the Bible terminology, they are born again. See, they have spiritual life. Watch this. Physically, you were born. In case you were wondering, my birthday is September 5th. Write that down. I expect a lot of presents when that day comes. That's my physical birthday. Okay, that's the day that I entered into this world. I became uh, my, my mother's little son, the only son of my parents, and I became a spoiled little boy because I had three rotten sisters, you know? <laughs> so I have a physical birth, and, and watch this, someday I'll leave this world. Now here's the difference. God, God's given me life. If you're here today, listen, I'm looking around the auditorium this morning, and it looks like everybody's alive. Well, some of you, maybe not, but it, most of you, it looks like you're alive. You have a, a day that you are born into this world physically. Now, if you live in your sin, according to the Bible, you will die in your sin. But here's the thing is, is what you do with Christ is going to determine your eternity. So, you can be born physically, accept Christ as your Savior, and you could be born again spiritually. And if that happens, then you will not die in your sin. You will actually spend all of eternity with the Lord. But see, if you reject the gift of God, which is eternal life, and you never accept him as your Lord and Savior, you'll die in your sin. So watch this. You will never be born again. That means that, that instead of being born again spiritually, you will die not only physically, but you will die spiritually. You will be forever separated from God for all of eternity. Are you with me this morning? Okay, listen, this is God's word that I'm sharing with you this morning. And the Bible says without Christ, we are spiritually dead. But with Christ, we are spiritually alive. And when somebody accepts Christ, remember what Nicodemus said, how can a man... How can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again a second time? That's what he said. How is that possible? Remember what Jesus' answer was? You must be born of the water and of the spirit. He was talking about a physical birth, and he was talking about a spiritual birth. He says there has to be a time in your life. Well, listen, they, they that accept Christ are spiritually given new life. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 1. You hath he quickened, 
who were dead in trespasses and sins. The word quicken there, here's what it means, to be made alive. Well, how can God, look, only God can make us who were dead alive again. If a person turns from their sin to Jesus, according to the Bible, they pass from death unto life. God can take a spiritually dead person and bring them to life, but here's how that happens, through Jesus Christ. That's the way that a person receives it. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God for all the eternity. But I love that Romans 6, 23 doesn't end there because the Bible goes on to say in the last part of that verse, but the gift of God is what kind of life? Yeah, through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, listen, when I think about this outside of Christ, I am only a sinner, but in Christ, I am saved. Outside of Christ, I am empty, but in Christ, I am full. Outside of Christ, I am weak, but in Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot, but in Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated, but in Christ, I have already become victorious. Listen, how wonderful the meaning of those two words, in Christ. Are you in Christ this morning? Because according to the word of God, with Christ, we are spiritually alive. But I, I want you to also see that with Christ, we are spiritually reconciled. Look at verse 18 in our text. The Bible says, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, why did man have to be reconciled by God? Because of sin. See, look, our sins have separated us from God. Sin brings death, which is a separation from God. The whole world needs to be reconciled back together with God. The word reconcile, that's a good Bible word. It's the word katalasso, which means to take two people who are at variance with each other and to bring them together. You ever had somebody like that? Two people couldn't get along. They're always arguing, always fighting. And somehow somebody has to do something to bring them together. The word literally means to exchange. Sometimes it's used in, in the area of money, the exchanging of money. It's the, to change something. And in this case, it means to change from enmity or an enemy of God to friendship with God. See, when we were dead in our sins, we were no friend to God. We wanted nothing to do with God. We were at enmity with God. But when you got saved, when Jesus saved you, when he gave you new life, you're no longer at enmity with God. You now are a, in a friendship, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world today where so many groups are so mad at each other. Is anybody else in here already sick of the new presidential race? I mean, I just want to go over and go, Ugh, you know, it makes me sick. You know, here it's the United States of America. We the people, and you have this group over here that can't get along with this group over here. And listen, it's all about them instead of about the people. We live in a world that People are at variance with each other. They cannot get along with each other. And something needs to bring them together to reconcile these parties together. Because of sin, listen, God 
because he is holy. God cannot fellowship with us because of sin. But there was a great need for reconciliation, for someone to bring us back together with God. And that's where Jesus comes in. I think about some homes nowadays, and it's nothing new. Some husbands and wives, they're at variance with each other. They don't have to tell anybody. You can just see it. You know, the cold shoulder, the look. They won't sit together. I mean, it's evident a lot of times when they're not getting along. One husband, he walked in and he said to his wife, I'm the man of this house from now on. When I walk through the door, I want to have a delicious meal ready for me. And when I walk into this room right here, he says, I want to sit down in that chair right over there and I want to watch ESPN. He says, and while I'm watching ESPN, I want you to bring my slippers to me and I want you to go run my bath water. And after I have my bath, guess who's going to bring me my clothes comb my hair? And the, the wife looked at him and she said, the funeral director. Can I tell you this morning, all men... All men, all women have a heart of rebellion towards God. Everybody does. You know, even, even in the life of one of God's beautiful creations by the name of Lucifer. The Bible records in the book of Isaiah where Lucifer says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend Above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. And it was because of the rebellion of man that Jesus came. Let me read a So you. Look at it there and you know it's 1 Peter 3.18. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That's him, the just. That's us, the unjust. Now look at this phrase, that he, Jesus might bring us to who? To God. See, that's reconciliation. Jesus made it possible. He was put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Here's the question this morning. Who's bringing you or what's bringing you to God? Jesus. Now, I hope your answer wasn't the church I go to, the works that I do, the money that I give, the kind of person that I am. Because you know what? All those answers are the wrong answer. The only right answer is that Jesus is the one that it has made it possible for us to come to God. See, when I think about the resurrection of life, without Christ, we're dead. But with Christ, we're made alive. With Christ, we have been reconciled back together with God. There is only one bring us to God. It's not the spirits. We need to make sure that if you're here this morning, that you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're trusting him for the keeping of your soul. When we talk about new life, we're talking about the resurrection of life. And that resurrected life only comes through Jesus Christ, who was the first fruit of all those that would follow after him. See, the resurrection of life is one aspect of this new life, but notice also the renewal of life. Look at verse number 17 in our text this morning, and this is the verse we all read together, and this is the verse that, that will help us as we go through this series over the next many weeks. The Bible says again, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things 
are become new. See, this refers back to the death of Christ. Folks, look at me. Don't ever forget what Jesus did for you, how he died for your sins. Even though, listen, when I was a kid growing up, everywhere I would go, in my home, in the church, there was always crucifixions everywhere. And as a kid growing up, there was always a person or a figure that was on those crosses. Jesus isn't on the cross. Jesus isn't in the grave. He's ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And listen, when he came and gave his life, what did he give us? He gave us new life. He gave us new life that is in Christ. Notice the possibility of renewal, how that it is available through Christ. We, we read the verse with Brother Chris this morning where Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. No man cometh unto the Father. Well, where's the Father? He's in heaven. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. Jesus said, I am the life. Renewal is available for all that will believe. The Bible says any man, any woman, any boy, any girl will come to Christ that the possibility of renewal is there. There's no limit to God's offer. It's an open invitation today. Again, God so loved the world. Listen, this morning, that means you. See, I see the possibility of renewal. I see the position of renewal in verse 17 where he says, if any man be in Christ, that's our position. The phrase in Christ is a phrase, beautiful phrase, used 78 times in the New Testament. And it, this does not refer to maybe going to a church or being at a church. It actually is a reference to having a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing him as our Savior. Paul wrote to those in Colossae and he said, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now the word perfect doesn't mean sinless. It means that we are maturing because of him, that we are, we are having the mind of Christ. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now, now that we've been saved, now that we're in Christ, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So the simple question this morning is this, are you saved? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you in Christ relationally? You can't have him in you. Listen to me now. You can have him in you and be the same person you were before you got saved. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. There's been a great, great change, change since I've been born again. There ought to be something different about you if it's still the same old person then this morning you need to check your heart and say, have I had a time where I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you in him this morning? Everything else, if you are, will be okay. Everything else will be second fiddle in your life if you are in Christ. If you are a Christian, you are on Jesus' side. I love the song, once I drifted out in sin, had no hope, no joy within. My soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. 
out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. My identity this morning, and if you're saved this morning, our identity is in Christ. It is because of what Jesus has done for us. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. As, listen, I live in the greatest country in the world, America. I'm not ashamed to be an American. I know America has its problems. And I can tell you this morning, I love America, but can I tell you that my identity is not in America. My identity is in Jesus Christ. This morning, we are what we are because of the position of renewal. Are you in Christ this morning? And if you are in Christ, does your Facebook show it? Do your neighbors and your family know it? If you are in Christ positionally. See, it's possible if any man, it's positional, be in Christ. But look at thirdly, I see the power of renewal because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's kind of funny because... You know, how many of you like new things? Wow, I thought a whole lot more hands would go up. So the rest of you like old things? I was talking to one of our men, you know, I, try, I always try to understand people. I, I try. I've tried to understand women all my life. I've been losing that battle. But I was talking to one of, one of our men and... and uh, I'll just say it this way, he's my elder, and we were talking, and, and we were talking about, you know, just his generation. How many of you have seen that show or heard of that show called Hoarders? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're living that show, okay? And I was talking to this gentleman in our church, and he was telling me, I, I just made a comment, I said, man, how, how do people live like that? You know, it's like their house is piled up on the inside. There's just like little pathways through their house, you know. And you got all that stuff, you know. And, and he looked at me and he says, let me help you understand something, young man. When, when, when my elders say something like that, I just go, you know. And he says, you have to understand my generation. He said, we didn't have the money back then to always go out and buy something. So he said, you know, when it came to certain things, he said, we learned how to reuse things. He said, your generation, you just take something, use it, and throw it away. He said, like, for instance, razors. When I grew up, he's like, well, you, you just sharpened the razor and kept using it. He said, you, nowadays, it's disposable this, disposable that. And he says, and that's why we have stuff laying around everywhere. And I'm like, well, I, I get it. I understand that. But guess what? We now have all that stuff. You don't have to hold on to all that stuff. I like new things. And according to this passage this morning, when we get saved, we become a completely new creation. According to what Jesus says here, look, the words born again, it means to be changed. Here's the thing, though. It's changed from the inside out. See, a lot of times people... They, they, they want to change something, so they get a new haircut. You know, they, they get some new clothes. Maybe they start wearing deodorant. <laughs> what are they doing? They're trying to change the outside. 
I remember when I got saved 35 years ago. It took place in my heart. God saved me on the inside. He gave me new life in Christ. I remember after I got saved, and my father-in-law is here this morning, he might remember this, but I remember after I got saved, nobody in the church came to me and said, hey, look, man, you, I wasn't going to say this earlier, but you know, you've been hanging around here long enough now. Honestly, from the back, you know, the way you're wearing your hair, you, you know, I, I mistook you the other day. I thought you were a girl because I was a pretty boy. I had long flowing hair. You know, I remember that, 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 that I, you know, the clothes that I wore, the music that I listened to. Listen, people always knew when I was coming to church because about two blocks away, they could hear my car all the way to the church. And when I got about to the parking lot, I thought I was so smart. I'd get right to the parking lot and I'd turn it down. But I didn't realize they could hear it two blocks away. And nobody came to me and said, hey, look, you need to get your hair cut. Nobody came to me and said, hey, look, you need to start dressing a little bit better when you come to God's house. Nobody said to me, hey, look, that music that you're listening to, probably not the best music to listen to. No, no, no. There was no body in the church, but there was a person whose name is the Holy Spirit of God who says, hey, listen, it's time for you because of what's taking place on the inside to start changing. In other words, it begins to manifest itself on the way out. God's work takes place. I walked into church one day. I walked in. I had my hair cut. I had new clothes on. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I look pretty good. <laughs> but you know, look here, the clothes didn't make me the person that I was. That haircut didn't make me the person that I God made me that person that I was. I walked in, I walked past a couple people. As I walked past them, nobody said anything to me. Finally, one guy says, he says, hey, how you doing? And he looked at me and he goes, Dane? I said, yeah. He goes, man, I didn't even recognize you. I said, I know, because it happened in here. God changed me. I think about this new life that we have, the possibility that is there, but the power that we're a new creature, we're changed. Look, you, can't ch you, you cannot change someone from the outside. We've tried that. You know, we've tried with a set of rules. We've tried to beat things even into our own children. But this renewal is a metamorphosis. It's like that butterfly that, that comes forth. When you got saved, God brought you out of a life of sin. Old things were passed away. That foul mouth and that life of drugs and the immorality and all those things that you used to do. All things are become new. That is what a renewal is all about. Listen, America today is dying because of Christians that live just like their unsaved friends. God, I'm, I'm, listen this morning, if God has changed your life, if God has done a work in your heart, then live like you have new life in Christ. John, look at John 5, 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and it shall not, and notice, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, Jesus is talking about this new life, and he talks about the resurrection of life, that we are passed from death unto life. And he talks about the renewal of life and how that we're a new creature because of what Jesus did for us. But notice, thirdly, the renovation of life. Because the Bible says back in 17, verse 17, he says, if he is a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, you've heard it. 
out with the old, what's the rest of it? In with the new. Listen, I remember years ago, years ago, they came out with the first one of these home remodeling shows. There's thousands of them now. I get so tickled because I watch some of those, and these people that are doing these shows, they don't have a clue what they're doing. Now, I don't have all the clues either. And I watch these people, and I get tickled sometimes, but I'm always amazed when they can take something that is so run down, so dilapidated, something that honestly, whenever I first look at it, I'm like, why don't they just get a bulldozer and bulldoze that thing down? But they take that house, and they begin to work it, and they start with the foundation, and they make sure that the foundation is solid, and sometimes they have to go into those crawl spaces, and they have to put some piers, and they have to to, to sure up those those, uh, floor joists to make sure that the floor is going to be on solid footing, and then they begin to do the, the walls and the floor and the ceiling, and then the people come in. Usually, they always have a woman. I don't know why. Always has to be a woman that's, that's the decorator. Because guys know how to decorate, you know? And they, they renovate these. When I think about this matter of these makeover shows, out with the old, in with the new, would, it, would, would you consider this morning letting God do a makeover in your life? I read this. I thought it was interesting. Listen to this. When you think about these makeovers, these extreme makeovers, somebody said that they have three things in common. The first thing they have in common is that an outsider sees the possibility that you couldn't see. They look at the house, whatever, they see a possibility that even the owners could not see. The second thing that they have in common is that outsider does what you couldn't do. See, those owners, a lot of times, they own the house. They don't know how to fix it. And the third thing they have in common is this, that the outsider then pays for what you couldn't pay for. When I thought about those three things that they have in common, that is something when it comes to a building or a house. But what about your life? When I think about my life and your life, and I think about how God looks at our lives, God sees us dead in our sins, just like those houses dilapidated that just need to be bowled over. But I love what God said through the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. You know what that means? That God looked at our life and God sees us dead in our sins, but God sees the possibilities before we do. That when God looks at us, God has a plan for my life and God has a plan for your life. That when God looks at us, God came to us from outside of our world. Well, how did he do that? He sent his son Jesus at a time called Christmas. God's son came forth. Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into the world to redeem the world of their sins, to help us that we might have a home in heaven. Jesus did what we could not do. And as you think about what Jesus did, look, we could not save ourselves. You can't live a life good enough to get yourself to heaven someday. So God sent his son. Jesus never committed one sin, but yet he paid the price for us. Now, how does this renovation happen? Two things, and I'll I'll be done this morning. We've already said it a couple times, but here's the first thing about this renovation of life is out with the old. Old things are passed away. See, the pattern of the life of an unsaved person, here's how the Bible refers to it. The pattern of the life of an unsaved person is referred to as the old man. Now, wives, that's not your husband. 
That's the reference to the unsaved old life before Christ, right? It's talking about the old man. It's talking about our values that we had before Christ, our plans, our dreams, the things we love, the clubs we were a part of, the associations that we found ourselves uh, attending. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So when you look at it in the Bible, the old man refers to before Christ. It's our nature of the flesh. It's that fleshly desires to do the things that we want to do. But here's what happens is that when we get saved, we are in Christ. Now, is this true in your life like it is in mine? That after you get saved and you're in Christ, that sometimes the old man wants to creep back into your life. And we don't want him, but he comes back. You're like, well, look, you're not welcome here anymore. And he finds his way back into our lives. He just keeps creeping back. Look at Galatians 5.17. Paul writing to those in Galatia. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. So what is he saying? He's saying we need to yield to God's spirit. If we don't yield to the spirit, we're going to yield to the flesh. We, we shouldn't want to live like that old man anymore. It's like I, I was reading this account. I thought it was pretty fitting. There was a preacher one day. He was out in the community. And he was making some visits to some people that had visited the church. And while he was out in the community visiting, he saw a little boy alongside the road there. And the little boy had a lawnmower that he was selling. And the preacher stopped and he said to the little boy, he said, hey, how much do you want for that lawnmower? And the little boy looked at him and he says, well, I want just enough money to buy a bicycle. So I'll take $40. And so the preacher looked at him, he looked at the lawnmower a little bit, and he says, all right, I'll take it. So he got the lawnmower because he says, I need one. He took the lawnmower home, and it just so happened as he got home with the lawnmower, he was trying to go out in the yard, he needed to mow the yard, and he tried to get the thing to run, but he was having trouble. The little boy that he bought it from, he was just having me coming down the street, didn't know the preacher lived there. He sees him up there with the lawnmower, and he's up there trying to get the lawnmower going. He's pulling and pulling and pulling, and the lawnmower won't start. And the preacher sees the boy, and he says, Hey, hey, I, I bought this lawnmower from you just a little while ago. I can't get the lawnmower to go. And the little boy looked at the preacher. He says, Well, he says, to get that to start, he says, you have to cuss at it. The little preacher looked at the little boy, and he says, I'm a preacher. I don't cuss. He says, matter of fact, I've been... I've been saved for so long now, he says, I don't even know if I remember how to cuss. And the little boy looked at him, he says, well, preacher, the only thing I can say is just keep pulling that rope. He says, it'll come back to you. <laughs> See, sometimes we get ourselves into situations where the old man wants to come back. And what you and I need to do is we just need to say, look, out with the old man. Old things are passed away. The old man is that fleshly nature. Listen, we need to say to, to that old man that it's been crucified with Christ, that we have victory in Jesus. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Out with the old. Why? Because we're in Christ. You see, out with the old, watch, there has to be a replacement. See, if you're going to take something out of your life, you have to put something in. So out with the old, here it is, in with the new. This is the best part here. 
all things are become new. Galatians 6, 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Look, it's through the cross of Christ that we have new life through Jesus. He plants new desires. Look, I find myself doing things now that I'm like, wow, I would have never done that. I would have never helped that person. I would have never cared about that before I got saved, while I was in the old man. But now that I'm in Christ, all things are become new. The unsaved person doesn't want to read his Bible. The unsaved person doesn't want to pray or listen to preaching. But a saved person that understands uh, the importance of the death of Christ and the atoning blood of Jesus, that he shed his life and gave his life for him, he says, hey, look, this is good. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ today, you have new appetites and new desires. Listen, on Wednesday nights, instead of doing what you normally would do, you, you say, hey, listen, let's go to church tonight. Instead of Sunday night, sitting at home watching Starsky and Hutch. You say to your wife, hey, look, let's go to church tonight. God gives you new desires, new appetites, new things to love. All things are become new. You no longer are interested in the world and the things of this world, worldly music. When somebody gets live, you have new activities. You even have a new batch of new friends. It's a wonderful thing to see people saved and become a part of the family of God. You don't have this attitude, well, you know, I'll take God and I'll add him to my life. No, listen, when you get saved, you get all of God. All things are become new. God wants to give us new life. It's this salvation, this exchange life. We give him our old tattered garments. And what does he give us? Robes of righteousness is what he gives to us. It's a good deal to be saved this morning. Colossians chapter 3, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Every day when you get up, every day of your life, God wants us to put off some things, and God wants us to please him by putting on some things. See, your wife this morning, husband, your children, your neighbors, they should, you know what, I don't know what it is, but something happened to him. There's a change in that guy's life. He's different. Can I tell you this morning, the difference is it's this new life in Christ. Years ago, when archaeologists began excavating in the courtyard of a medieval monastery, they found seeds that had been dormant for more than 400 years that had begun to grow. King Henry VIII had closed the monastery in 1539, and herbs uh, tended by the monks had died since then, but... When they began to do the work, they, these seeds sprouted to life again as the archaeological, uh, the archaeologists, uh, are, uh, they began to disturb the soil. This morning, when I think about this new life, has God by His Spirit disturbed the soil of your heart this morning? Has God shown you this morning that you don't have this new life that God describes here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5? You see, God gave his son so that you can have new life. And that new life is possible through Jesus Christ. Is he your savior this morning? If he is your savior, are you living a life that is pleasing to God because you are in Christ? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? As we stand to our feet this morning, 
I wonder as we consider the message this morning and we begin this brand new series, are you in Christ? Has there been a time that you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a personal relationship with Him this morning? And if you're not in Christ, the Bible says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. You can put your faith in Him today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. And if you are saved, are you growing in Christ? Are you taking your responsibility as a Christian seriously? Whatever it is this morning that God is speaking to you about, whatever God is dealing with you about this morning, whether you need to be saved, whether you need to come and say, Lord, I'm, I, I want to be growing in Christ. Help me in my life to live a life that's pleasing to you. Help me not to let the old man creep back in. Lord, help me to allow the new man to have his way in my life. Lord, thank you for this morning. Whatever the decisions that need to be made, God, I pray that you'd help us to take those steps to say, Lord, this is something that you spoke to me about, whether it's salvation, whether it's more devotion to you, whatever it is this morning, Lord, may we be tender to do whatever it is. In Jesus' name we pray. With our heads